Rolling. listeners know this. Hey, I have a question for you. Yes. When you have this need for weed after you intake that weed, do you ever get hungry? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was in high school, Doug. <laughs> Wait a minute. The munchies aren't a thing like once you get older? Well, I guess when you're in a perpetual state of highness, then... No. And um, on that tell note. Tell that to my food bill right about now. <laughs> I was going to say. And on that note, shouldn't you be referring to me as your highness like all the time? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ha, 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 ha. Thank you to everybody tuning in this week to another episode of the Catch the Sky podcast. I am Sweet Tea. With me is Dick Francisco. You may find her on Twitter at I'm Dick Francisco or on Instagram at the Dick Francisco. You may find me on Twitter at CTS Terry or on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, wherever podcasts are available by searching for the Catch the Sky podcast. Be sure to follow, subscribe, like, comment, and you'll be notified whenever we release new content. So what are we getting into this week, Dick? So, T, we've been talking a lot about intentionality on this show. And I uh, I wanted to explore the intentionality of things we put in our mouth and why. I'm talking about food. Food. We were very specific. Food. So... You were you were just talking about when you were in high school. T, what was your favorite food growing up? Chicken parmesan. Chicken parmesan. And you didn't have to think about that at all, did you? No, because it's still probably my favorite. <laughs> do you have like when you say chicken parmesan, like do you immediately start to like picture it and like think about the best chicken parm you've ever had? And... Oh yeah. <laughs> Maybe it makes you start to drool. Mm, I drool in my sleep sometimes. I'm sure my partners haven't appreciated that. Maybe that's why I'm single. <laughs> Maybe it's because you're spending too much time dreaming about chicken parmesan, right? So that's Me and actually the dogs are drooling all over the place. <laughs> we, uh, I know, on this show, we like to get into you know the science of things a little bit in our you know very hack research that we do. Uh, and so I think we're going to take this one all over the place. We're going to talk about a love of food. We're going to talk about wars that food caused. We're going to talk about trends that that have happened to food. Um, but also a little bit of that science that as soon as we start bringing up food and it conjures those memories, food is super powerful. That uh, That's a real thing that science would suggest. You can't even control whether you start to drool at the thought of food 
because you have nerves that control saliva production. They're part of your reflex system. And they fire without consciousness. And they can be activated by smells, tastes, and even the movement of jaw muscles. So you thinking, smelling, even getting anticipating the taste of chicken parm, you're definitely going to drool about it. Isn't that crazy? Well, it's not coming out of my mouth, that's for sure. <laughs> that's only when I'm sleeping. <laughs> I can't control it then. So it, according to our research, our meaning my research, the average human can produce up to two liters of saliva a day which moistens your mouth, protects your teeth, and helps with digestion, which is why that happens. And your saliva contains enzymes to break all that food down. So that's the physiological response to food. Uh, but we know it goes a lot deeper than that. Like, okay, we have taste buds. They change over time. Does chicken parm taste any different to you nowadays than it did when you were a kid? Well, everything tastes a little bit different because I'm all fucked up from COVID still. <sighs> Right. I should start listening to this show, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so. right. Because T, you make a great point, which is <laughs> our taste buds and those sensory organs found on our tongue aren't just associated, aren't the only thing associated with how we taste. Our olfactory receptors matter too. So what we smell leads directly to how we taste things. So you just Ooh, sped it's up like your you process. practiced that word before. Oh, did oh I know olfactory, but I'm saying. But it like we I just know did it. an episode about pheromones. <laughs> That's true. Which, <laughs> as we learned on that episode, again, I got to start listening to this show. Dang, um, we just recorded like two weeks ago. I know. Like, I hear this show is great. <laughs> Look, I hear it's great. That's that's what the people out there are telling me. Better than fucking safe. Sitting here asking people why the fuck they're listening. <laughs> That's true. I'm, I'm getting nothing but good feedback is what I hear. And so you sped up the process, though, T, of screwing up your taste buds and your olfactory receptors so that you can't taste as well. But do Love you it. still enjoy eating food? I guess I've always enjoyed eating food. Yeah. But... For me, food is energy, right? Yeah. You just convert it into energy. And so eating is mostly just a biological process for me. It's time to just smash and move on, right? We do this two or three times a day. We can't waste so much fucking time on it, right? Well, and, and I might argue that with you separately because I think food has played greater roles in our lives psychologically. There's a time and a place, right? There's a time and a place to sit down and have a nice meal. But for the most part, fuck. <laughs> Every day with the fucking <laughs> waiters and the delivery people and the fucking this and the that. And it's just like, oh my God, just give me that pizza so I can smash and go on with my life. So remember, you're making this argument to somebody who doesn't eat food normally either the same way that say you do multiple times a day check back to episode 70 if you're interested in hearing about dick's desiccated diet and yet i kind of feel like i have more of an appreciation but i do have video no maybe no probably there's probably video and photographic evidence of you 
thoroughly appreciating food and getting very excited about it. And so, <laughs> <laughs> I know, uh huh. You can think of probably. I mean, I like how it tastes. I love how it tastes. That's what I'm saying. But for the most part, when it comes to consuming it, the yeah. act of consuming it, yeah, it's over. So you don't want an experience when you're eating your food. No, there's no need for any of that. So you're like that dog that doesn't taste it. You shove it in your mouth and swallow it. Yeah, I'm like I'm I have like the dog. In this. The- to our listeners, that is a hundred percent true. How this human being intakes food. I'm like that dog in those videos where they put the bowls down in yes. front of all the dogs and they all start to approach it. And then the one dog just goes insane and just eats his entire bowl. And then he eats all the other bowls. There's kibble everywhere. Bowls are getting flipped and everything. And none of the other dogs touch the food except for just me. So (laughs) I would like to suggest or place a bet on the fact that you are not spending a lot of your time then making food. No, we don't get any time for that anymore. (laughs) I'm in work mode anymore, Dick. Did you... Did you ever enjoy making food? Uh, yeah. Yeah, when I have time to slow down, but that's not where I'm at in life right now. Okay. So, but since this is an episode about food, we're going to talk about those times when you did. So, when you <laughs> slow down. <laughs> Look, I'm doing my best here tonight, okay? When no, you this is good. did slow down and you made food, what did you enjoy making? Breakfast mostly. Okay, like what does that mean? What does breakfast mean to you? Because that Huge can mean very breakfast. different things to different people. You could have a salad oh, for tons breakfast, of for instance. Yeah, no, fuck all that. Eggs, bacon, cheese, bagels, maybe a piece of fruit. Okay, none of these juice. things sound like things you made, though. You didn't make a piece of fruit. You didn't make cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so so you off, assembled you- food. You assembled food. Well, I would put the eggs together sometimes, like in an omelet, mostly. Oh, okay, most now mornings. we're getting somewhere. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The bacon, you got to make the bacon, right? Okay. So did you enjoy the process of doing that? Nah, that's far too good. <laughs> it's way too much time. Okay, so your association with food, got it, got it, got it. Your association with food really is all about the amount of time spent and it's back to our time episode. <laughs> yeah, this is turning into a time episode. It turns into just sustenance in your body, and therefore, the faster you can get it there, the faster you can move on to something else. Yeah, is it anything else? Well, that's your association with it. Yeah, with food. But is it anything else? Does your oh. stomach and small intestine interpret it as anything else? Yeah. Does your ass interpret it as anything else? I mean, I guess if it's really spicy, maybe. Well, and so that's where I'm going to come back to symbolism and the role that food has played. And so coming from somebody who doesn't consume a variation of many foods at all, I have an absolute love for food. I have amazing food memories. I have... Like the love that I feel intensely about making food, like the creation of it. So baking, touching food that turns into pies, for instance. We're going to bring up pies on this show again. I think we did an entire episode while I was baking a pie. (laughs) I remember this, right? And so 
that whole process of creating food and creating food for other people. That's even more powerful for me because it's a gift that I get to give to somebody else that I put so much love into and the experience of it. Uh, Food is powerful to me. And so it's not even about me having to consume it and getting into all of that element of it as much as getting to give that to someone else, especially when I get to respond to something someone loves too. Like you telling me you like chicken Parmesan. Oh, I am so ready to throw down, right? I'm like, let me make you the best chicken parm I possibly can. Because there's a love associated with being able to provide. Oh, yeah. And I appreciate that. Oh, I know. Just don't be surprised when I wolf it down. consume barrels of food in my house. (laughs) Like so much food consumed. So much chicken. Chicken? (laughs) Love it. I think you've eaten entire flocks of chicken in this house. Oh, yeah. And I love it. And I do appreciate it. No, and, it just, and, and it I know fast. you do. So that, like, that's a great memory. I think you had mentioned back to when you would have the munchies and when you were in that state of highness. And I remember when I first came to Arizona and went to college, I came as, I've always had an appreciation for making food. So that came to me early on. It was a way that I bonded with my grandmother. It was a way that I bonded with other people in this in the village that raised me with my father. And so when I came to college, it was something that was still just absolutely a part of me was making food from scratch and by hand. And that was not necessarily what everyone else in college was doing. They were getting high. And so it turned into a kind of a I guess I could call it a racket. No, I think just a business proposal on my part to say, look, I see where your value system is. You like getting high, but you also like getting hungry after. And you really love banana bread for some reason. (laughs) So in college, I became the person making the most bomb banana bread for all the kids getting high. And so literally they'd come to my door with orders. Oh, and Italian fried chicken. That was another one. The more I keep talking about this, the more I'm going to start pointing out all the other things. I was the I was the apartment you came to to come and get all your munchies. So you paid me. I'd get the ingredients. I'd make everything for you. And you were well fed. And so you probably had the greatest like weed smoking slash munchy experience ever if you lived in the same <laughs> on the same college campus as me food is powerful T. unfortunately <laughs> i lived at home <laughs> that's a bummer and and all you were getting was veal parmesan is what i hear huh what's up with that yeah why do we why do what's up with just baby cows raising baby cows just to kill them are they delicious Spoiler alert, they are. (laughs) So this is interesting that you say this, right? So this comes back to, you said, you know, the deliciousness of food, but food is incredibly cultural. And, you know, while I might not be able to explain exactly why veal and baby cows became a delicacy, you know, there's things that we don't eat at all, say, in our Western culture, like guinea pigs, right? Have you ever eaten a guinea pig tea? Not that I'm aware of. I know, right? I hear they're delicious too. And in other countries, that's a delicacy. So like back to this variation of food too, that, you know, food is culture and 
cultural representations of that, which is where we start looking historically, I think, at food. Because you're asking, when did food get complicated, right? Like, okay, why couldn't just chicken parm be good enough? Why, you know, why all these variations are... And I'm I mean, asking, chicken parm is complicated. I mean, right? You gotta <laughs> that's do actually all really this extra true. shit, right? Yeah, chicken parm is not an uncomplicated meal to make. And I think we talked about this on our time episode. So these are definitely corresponding where the time that goes into making something and doing it the right way. So like I love bread baking and bread baking to do it right takes time. You got to set aside days you got to grow some yeast if you're going to do it the right way. You've got to love on that yeast for a period of time for days and then a whole resting period, a whole rising period, a whole proofing period just to make this loaf of bread that you're going to eat. And so I see what you're saying, T, that you're just going to shovel that into your mouth and it's just energy. So why all that time spent, right? That's why I appreciate when people make me good food because I know time goes into it. And they loved doing it, though, hopefully. I think that's the I think that's the beauty of it. I always feel accomplished when I can make something that is appreciated by someone else because that's like a how do I get to transfer that love? There's, you know, so many ways we as humans get to show love to somebody. And that's one of the ways we can do that is through food. I think it's I think it's an amazing opportunity. I have great memories of that. And it sounds like you might do with your chicken Parmesan. <laughs> well, I know, I mean, obviously from the experience that you shared, you have to go how many hours smoking those meats? Yes. Right? right. Meat smoking is, and it it's an art. It takes time. It takes patience. It's science because you're breaking down you know, muscles and tendons and fat to get to create this beautiful, tasty piece of meat that goes into your body that you're going to eat, but you get to taste everything that went into it. The the type of wood, whether you screwed it up or not, everyone has a bad day at the smoker. <laughs> but there's so much to be, t- to take in to taste beyond just a piece of meat at that point. Right. You at least got to see how frustrated I would get and the amount of time I had to put into it. So you were tasting all kinds of emotions when you would eat it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm going to eat it regardless. But, you know, I I appreciate the the time, the time spent. I just don't have that kind of time. Right. No. So I so I, I think that's part of where I was kind of getting obsessed with this topic was. We have an appreciation for it. We can appreciate good food. We have amazing memories. We remember back to the idea of home-cooked meals and, you know, the idea of a home-cooked meal. Even if you didn't have one in your home, you understood the idea that food used to be made from scratch. Then we started to get conveniences, you know, introduced into society, and that's where food became easier, more diluted, or more packaged, or you know, less love put into it or no love put into it. And it was just to put into our mouths to move on, like you said. And so I think there's this interesting relationship that is almost nostalgic about food. And like we said, cultural about food. But yet we still see these trends of why are so many people so interested in like 
food competition shows or even this idea of foodie culture, what is it in us that still drives us to be so fascinated or obsessed with food? I think the foodie culture might be a low-key fat subculture um, <laughs> where people just <laughs> they're like no 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 I'm just a foodie it's okay I eat food all the time I can't stop it's it's a thing it's fine don't you have a hobby yeah but my <laughs> hobby's not giving me like cardiovascular disease so Jesus fucking <laughs> right but again I can have an appreciation for food and the time spent creating something delicious right um and i think that's maybe where people look at these tv shows as well yeah yeah i think i think you're right because i think that there's that some could like equate food with art i do certainly i i think there's an opportunity where like when I would bake a cake for instance and make an amazing three-tiered cake and how I decorated it how that looked like there was an art component to that for sure if I was wanting to be creative it was a way of, of expressing myself creatively and then that's very different than cooking for me where cooking was certainly about you know a different type of creation to conjure a different experience for somebody that's eating my cooking from a, the seasonings and the tastes that I'm trying to you know bring to you that are not only just this idea of love but trying to create a whole different experience but I do think that there's a real interestingness to this idea of foodies because I'm taking it in like going oh we have foodie culture well we also have more allergies to foods than you've ever seen so many restrictions that people are putting on how they eat and what they eat like well that's because half the shit we produce in this country isn't real food Oh, for sure, right? And so I'm trying to couple that with this idea of a foodie culture while at the same time going, do we really have an appreciation for food, right? Is it food and, and what goes into it? Like <laughs> Safe and I, this is one of my favorite food memories with him. We were at a restaurant. Oh, where was it? It was over in San Diego. It was a seafood restaurant with a, a pretty popular like chef that was becoming pretty well known throughout the country and he orders a piece of fish and this fish comes delivered and he flips it over say so flips over the piece of fish so the fish had been served skin up and there was a reason it was served skin up because it had been pan seared and crisped specifically for presentation he flips the piece of fish over and no sooner does he do that the I believe it was the wait staff made it really clear that, oh, um, so it was presented to you the other way for a reason. <laughs> and they got really pretentious about it. And I've thought through that moment a lot because Safe was like, well, it's my piece of fish. I bought this piece of fish. I want to eat it like this, right? And I thought a lot through that. And you think when you go to those places where there's no um, substitutions or you can't change, you know, a particular way that something is made or seasonings like hot sauces and salt and pepper, things like that, that you won't either find on the table or even provided to you because the way that that food is being prepared and presented is so specific to that chef that's creating it. And I wonder at that point, have we started to lose the experience of the food then? Because 
if I like something a little more salty than you, should I not be able to include that in this food for the full like experience that I want to have with this food that you so graciously made me? Or is it more about me accepting the food however you made it because it's about you? I don't know. This is where food gets very complicated for me. So I think that is a bunch of bullshit. It's like, again, your small intestine and your butt, they, your, your, it, it, none of it interprets it differently. So I guess everybody will say, right, your mouth, our taste buds interpret it differently. And it's all about that flavor. It's like a signature. Mm, okay. Like art then for real, it's your signature. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, they want you to taste that taste, that specific taste, right? Because they think that is the best taste. But for you, you might want to throw a little salt on that bench, right? It might just taste a little bit better to you that way. And for me, I always grab the salt first, and I know I get some glare sometimes <laughs> when people have put a lot of effort into their cooking. And for me, I just like stuff a little saltier. I don't know what it is. So I think that I don't do it on salads. I see people put salt on salad. That doesn't make sense. To That's me. not allowed. That's not allowed. That's taking it too far. There's a line. All right. There's a that's crossing the line. So I think it's such a safe flipped as fish. Yeah. Right. Crossing the line. The so crossing the line. I, I think it's a funny conversation because I can immediately feel multiple ways about like that from like the person preparing food and me wanting to create an experience for you that I want you to have. But at the end of the day, is it not more about you enjoying an experience and that's what I want and I want to be a part of that. And so if you need to salt something, salt it. No, would I suggest, hey, why don't you try it without it? Just so you can have the experience. Sure, right? But I also think where we were talking about food getting so complicated that I think there's pride in art being created by chefs that are trying to make something of their own something very unique or something original and that's something you know artists do so whether it's music whether it's you know paintings so chefs I think are doing the same thing where there's this opposite mm -hmm. Guy Fieri's an artist <laughs> sure there's this opposite battle though which comes back to how food throughout this world is becoming or not becoming has always been symbolic of nationalism um, and then authenticity. And so that authenticity. So when I think about how I was raised on any particular food and how it might have been made. So like when my grandma made bread, the best bread I've ever had was made by her because that's the bread that I know and is authentic to my life experience or my region or any of those things, right? That really bring back that this is how I feel bread should be eaten or this is how I feel bread should be made or this is all of those. Like, oh, you put butter on your bread versus olive oil, right? Things like that. So, And this is... Navajo fry bread, right? Because that is the greatest bread in the world. <laughs> and then back to, okay, how do you make Navajo fry bread, right? And so this is that authenticity piece of it. And this is where I got really, really interested in food because it's certainly more than 
what sustains us. It's so much more. It, it speaks to class divisions of the types of food that, you know, rich people could have versus poor people. I grew up super poor getting commodities from the government. And so my relationship with food, whole potatoes from a can and government cheese. Hot dogs. <laughs> and yeah. So like the idea of government cheese and government butter is like... I, I can tell you what the commodities label looks like right now, a can with a white label and black grating. And it's, that was one of my associations with food. And yet going over to say a friend's house where they had Kraft macaroni and cheese, that was insane. Was That's like, where the hot dogs were at. What? <laughs> yeah, totally. Can we talk about the hot dog real quick? Talk about the hot dog. Every country getting back into nationalism yeah. seems to have a version of the sausage, right? Sure. We got the bratwurst. Mm -hmm. We got the kielbasa. Mm -hmm. We got the Italian sausage, right? Mm -hmm. And then you get over to America. Party episode. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then you get over to America, uh -huh. and we present to you the hot dog. <laughs> What the fuck is that? <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> the other countries are laughing at our smooth. Oh, yeah. Our sausage, sausage game is lame. <laughs> our smooth single colored sausage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we have sausage, but let's be real. It's just copies of all the other countries' sausages. Our, our American sausage is the hot dog. Yeah. It is oh, 100%. fucking stupid. It's so stupid. <laughs> Which I think technically a Frankfurter may have come from Germany. However, right. I still right. feel like a Frankfurter from Frankfurt, Germany is going to be a lot girthier than an American hot dog. Faux show. Weenie. Wiener. Banger. So what's crazy to me getting into this nationalism idea yeah. it made me think of the avocados right Ooh. don't we have armed people patrolling the avocado fields yeah because this is the cartel they it's... own the avocados yeah avocado wars are for real coffee wars sugar wars so when you start thinking about just again these these foods as commodities right but then how important they become but entire um cultural identities have been created around you know these not just exports but dishes even it doesn't have to just be an ingredient one that I was learning about that was super fascinating to me was hummus and uh so made out of chickpeas right so chickpea chickpea puree essentially um and hummus <laughs> is hummus is consumed in lots of different countries and so, for instance, the Egyptians were preparing chickpeas mashed with, I believe there was a suggestion that it was vinegar, for instance. And so that would have been their authentic way, way back in medieval times. Mm -hmm. And Syria might have been doing something similar. Well, yeah. I think it was in 2000. They shared recipes, so yeah, what? Yeah, Sure. In 2008, I believe it was the Association of Lebanese Industrialists who went to trademark several Middle Eastern dishes with the intent of stopping the Israelis from marketing hummus and other dishes in Israel. 
And so they started creating claims on things like feta cheese and who's allowed to use that. And that's not new. You hear that from, you know, champagne, certain wines, things like. Actually, all champagne is French. It's named <laughs> that, after the region. That's the point. Though, Otherwise, it's sparkling white wine. Yes. That, Americans, of course, don't term. recognize the convention. So it becomes that thing of calling all sparkling white champagne, <laughs> even though by definition they're not. Things like that that we don't even realize that the name of it is associated with more the region than it is the food itself. And it really was to be able to claim their stake in, in, from the Lebanese folks was to claim their stake on hummus and not allow it to be used in other countries where it was commonly eaten. And they really wanted it to be their identity. Like it was their associated identity was hummus. And it really started to acknowledge that this culinary sphere was, you know, just metaphorical for social relations and social structures and how symbolic food really becomes in these countries when it's everything. It's what you eat. It's what you produce. It's your livelihood. It's, you know, how you spend your days that uh, food is far more powerful than maybe the ignorance that we get to have to shovel it into our mouth and move on because we ain't got no time. <laughs> I think it was Australia and New Zealand got into a culinary battle over, I believe it's called pavlova, which is a cream-topped meringue cake with a soft marshmallow center. Um, and I think they got into a rivalry over who legally owned the recipe, for instance. And these just become real, like you might think, oh, that's just food. But I'm coming back to, I think we have this opportunity to just not care. Like go to Domino's, go get that pizza shoved in your mouth and who cares? You get to do that where some of these cultures, even to this day, again, their livelihood is built around agriculture their livelihood is built around the love for food and the creation of these foods and that becomes we have really mcdonald's powerful. and we have Burger mcdonald's King. and you know, <laughs> wiener schnitzel arby's yeah, yeah. So nobody, I just, nobody better really copy think, that big mac god damn it it makes you really think about food in such a more broad way and i think for me i've always had a love for creating it a love for offering it and it brings people together. It is a conversational anything. Whether you like food or you hate food, you have something to say about food. We've had plenty to say about food. You bring today. up a double Dutch cream pie, you're going to be turning some heads. Yeah. I remember when I started making those pies on the, like on the weekly, you all had something to say about the pies you all wanted. Everybody had something they wanted made in a pie. And, of course, I mean, if you're cranking cream pies out, of course I'm going to fucking have special requests. <laughs> okay, okay. Meat pies only over here. Meat pies only. Well, this is a sausage party, right? I mean, <laughs> meat pies and sausages only. <laughs> so I'm not going to hate on a on a good sausage party again. If love was put in to making those sausages... What do they well, say? Love, this it, is how the sausage is made. Isn't that a isn't that a thing people say? You don't want to see how the sausage. Oh, you is don't made. want to see how the sausage is made. Well, let the record stand. I do want to see how that sausage is made, and you want to see how I make my sausage. It's phenomenal. Well, and that's the thing. Yeah, everybody wants to see how the sausage is made. You do. The problem is, yeah, the the problem is the American sausage is a fucking hot dog, and nobody gives a fuck about how hot dogs are made. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think that statement actually to see how the sausage is made is actually like a really good overarching theme for our episode because I think that's what's happened with our relationship with food is nobody wants to see how it's made. They want to just be able to unconsciously shove it down their mouths like you do, right? And move on because ain't nobody got time for that versus metaphorically for our lives, taking the time to understand how the sausage is made is what builds that appreciation, is what grows that love. And maybe if we all took a little bit more time to put a little bit more love into what we create and care a little bit more about how the sausage is made. We might break a little more bread together. We might enjoy each other a little more. We might uh, have less avocado wars. Clear. I appreciate the time and the effort, and I'm willing to learn about how it's done, but maybe educate me. See, all right, if I was at one of these fancy places... Like you and say for at, for example, I'll go ahead and eat this fucking fish, but you can tell me why while I'm eating, right? Oh, for sure. And that way we can kill two birds with one stone. And here's my don't deal tell on me the fancy. Befo- don't tell me before. Yeah. Here's just, my deal just on let's, the fancy. Let's get it all fish, out of the though. way. I don't need that whole experience. What I want is I want that opportunity to actually be able to taste and see and feel the entire experience that was put into what I'm putting in my mouth and consuming, no different than I want you to have the same experience when I make something. So whether it's that pie, I stopped making pies because I stopped putting love into them. I couldn't do it. It was becoming obligatory and I wasn't putting love into it. And so I don't want somebody to eat an unloved pie. No way. I want you to eat a pie I put so much love into, you can taste it every time you eat it and you go, you know what? This was loved so much, I feel love when I eat it. (laughs) So... I do not need I think a cream that's pie why I right eat it. No, but that's why I eat it like a savage, you know? Yeah. Just and get I, in there I'm like you're eating that. that pussy. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm not going to hate on that. I just think it comes back to our relationship with food and making food, using our hands, understanding what authenticity means to us. Because what's authentic to me, an authentic tortilla to me might not be an authentic tortilla to you because we come from different places and you might have had a different experience. Or you've never had a good tortilla is all I'm going to say. But point being, we could fight about it all day long. But at the end of the day, we're probably going to end up both eating some great food and enjoying it together. Yeah. Right. I just don't want to make it. <laughs> That's fair. You don't have to make it. But I That's will tell it. you then to slow down, enjoy your food, and more importantly, enjoy the love that was put into it. Unless you're going to Domino's and then... You know, you should probably just shovel that down as fast as possible. But is it going to taste any different if I slow down? It might. I'm going to challenge you to that experience. I'm going to challenge you to the experience of it's not the slowness of eating. It's the taking the time to take in everything that went into that. And so you can tell me you appreciate all the time I put into something. But I want you to taste that while you're doing that, too. I want to communicate well, with you about it. I want to have a whole it. experience about eating food. Exactly. So the quicker that I finish the food, the more time I have to talk and tell you how awesome it was. Oh, because it's rude to talk with your mouth full? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> so if you take an hour to eat, then when are you supposed to be like, oh, man, this is great. No, no. Just smash. And then you'd be like, oh, fuck. That was great. 
I think you and I are going to have to break bread over this and probably have a few more disagreements over a home cooked meal from scratch that I will put so much time into that you will. Can it be a Navajo fry bread? That, yes, that you will <laughs> devour in five seconds and um, then we'll fight about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I'll have to wait for you to finish your meal before we fight about it. That's true because I will be savoring it. Mm-hmm. And or, probably talking about all the elements that went into it and then telling you more memories because I'm going to get nostalgic. Or if somebody is hot off our time episode, they might say that you're wasting time. Mm, or they might have heard hurry, slow down to hurry up, which is <laughs> why don't you slow down to actually enjoy this experience? Because everything that you're going to gain from the experience will make you better moving forward. Like Tell less indigestion. Slower. Like less indigestion how... because you ate oh, slower. Okay. This is what it's really all about. <laughs> this is what this whole episode is all <laughs> about. You guys just don't have as fast a metabolism <laughs> as me. And so you're upset. And so you're trying to run this whole psyop on me to get me to slow down and eat at the same pace as the rest of you because I can eat like a fucking anaconda. <laughs> <laughs> this was just one big intervention to try to get T to slow down when he eats. <laughs> All because y'all are jealous. <laughs> uh, I'm just oh, saying that, that Indian fry bread deserves to be savored. That's all. Well, Jesus, it's Indian now? I thought it was Navajo. Well, I mean, fry bread. Fry bread. Safe would get here and cancel your ass so it's fast. It's actually but luckily indigenous he's in Nepal. people's bread then, okay? Because fry no, bread. No, it's not. Yes, no, it is. because it's not all of theirs. It's not all of theirs. You think the Eries were up here making fry bread like okay. the fucking Navajo so the were? Navajos... No, the Navajo, the Navajo fry bread is the shit That's okay what's according to navajo, navajo tradition fry bread was created in 1864 i understand that right fry bread was named the official state bread of south dakota in 2005 fyi and so there are oh fuck south dakota there are different <laughs> back to authenticity well right? all right hang on hang on did they, okay. they they didn't claim navajo fry bread they just claimed fry bread Oh, up in South Dakota? Yeah, if you're asking me specifically to make you Navajo version, the Navajo version of fry bread, okay, that is fine. I can do that. I just think it's important for us to understand that fry bread has a complex cultural history. I'm reading Wikipedia now. <laughs> that is intertwined with colonialism and the displacement of natives, okay? That's all I'm trying to say. So it got moved around. So where did it originate? Um, the Navajos say it was in 1864 um, when they were given flour, sugar, salt, and lard because they were being given these staples. Yeah, to, right. Like, that was the whole... Um, I'm giving it to the Navajo. Yeah, that's fine. So I think they said they were given those ingredients to the Navajos who were living here in Arizona... And then they were forced to walk that 300-mile journey, the long walk, over to New Mexico. And then Was maybe... Was the Trail of Tears? 
No, I think the Trail of Tears were further east, right? So there's the Long Walk and the Trail of Tears? I believe they are different, sir. Jesus Christ. I feel like you should know the Long Walk because you are so versed on Navajo fry bread. (laughs) 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 And those two things Um, go hand in hand on the Long Walk. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is just taking a nosedive. Now it's taking a nosedive. Correct. It so is if you my care to interact with us, that the Trail of Tears, if you recall correctly, definitely happened further east. Um, oh, I wasn't sure if the long walk was like an extension of the Trail of Tears because no, they no, pushed no, 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 them no. out. The, I mean, west. it was a long walk, but it wasn't that long. Of a walk. <laughs> 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 just, just hear me out. Hear me out. Walking 300 miles from Arizona to New Mexico is a long flipping walk, guys. You're right. <laughs> but it was not long enough for it to get... It wasn't like a spinoff. It wasn't of Trail, Trail of, of Tears. Tears. It wasn't the sequel. No. It was... um because the Trail of Tears happened, if I recall correctly, over in the Deep South, right? Like Georgia... Um, Georgia. <laughs> Either way, it happened in Georgia. Let's just be clear. Um, Tennessee, maybe. Look, we're gonna we'll come back to this topic, but just to be clear, Oklahoma. Um, I believe the long walk happened a solid ten plus years after the Trail of Tears. Either way, it was equally as um devastating. I'll say that, and I do know that. The best Navajo fry bread you can get is going to be up in Window Rock, Arizona nowadays. So I'll go take some lessons from them, T, and come back and make you some bomb Navajo fry bread. We're getting closer. That's how much. Be, uh, that's how much all wrapped up is going to go into this. Is I'm going to go up there and immerse myself again. Kitchen should be all wrapped up in the next couple of days. On to the bathroom. All right, so I only have be so done much with time. the two of those. Yeah, I seriously. better make a long walk up to Window Rock. That's probably not a funny joke, right? No, but I have Shoot. windows to do in April. Oh, so maybe not that funny. That's more like a dad joke. That was but. a dad <laughs> joke. I didn't get it. It was so dad joke of you. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Will you explain your joke to me? You're going to Window Rock. Oh, yeah. I did and I have windows rock. to install. Oh, <laughs> got it. Thank you for explaining that one. Even the fucking listeners are like, Dick, get it together. Like, you can't even keep up with the recording that you're recording 30 I seconds ago. Yeah. I cannot. I am too wrapped up in this long walk. Like, I'm all about being present, but like, Jesus Christ, you can't remember what you said 20 seconds ago. No, no, because I'm thinking about all of the food I want to go make and all the love I want to spread through my food. I'm busy. I'm busy in my head now. Did you know, fun fact, well, I'll end it with this, fun fact, that most recipes are not copyrightable. So, like, if you think about Heinz 57 or Bush's Baked Beans or White Claw, I know that's a weird combination of things, that create proprietary recipes. Sure, sure, sure. But that probably means they have a bunch of stuff that isn't, um, like, basic ingredients in it because most recipes back when food was 
simple and was relying on love. I know I've said that a lot, but that's kind of the point. I mean, there's only so many things you can do with flour, sugar, water, and salt. They, uh, they, an oil, they can't, or fat, they can't copyright those recipes. Crazy. I'm going to come spread some love on that food. <laughs> yeah. There's way, a that's whole why... genre of porn dedicated to that, oh, right? Oh, God. Here we go. Food porn. That'll be our next one. Are foodies into food porn? Well, I think the term food porn is used for food still and not porn. It's not the kind of porn you're thinking. Like you're thinking of doing pornographic things with food and they are thinking of, <laughs> of they're thinking of a fried egg that has the yolk yeah, like, slit like, like and the runs chicks down that the are taking pictures. Yeah, they yes. stand up on their on their booth, like on the table yes, to get like the real sexy it. shot. Put an egg yeah, on put it. An egg. Put an egg on it. Okay. Yes. Put an egg on it. Put an egg on my twat. And Anything. eat it off. Yes. That's a whole different genre of <laughs> So what is that called? I mean, is that food porn too? Is what food porn too? Are they po- are they are are they both food porn? Yeah, I mean I think they are. All right, T, this is the wrap up question. If you could eat food off of I don't know whichever chick you're into right now. Whichever one you're gonna go bang tonight. If you could eat food off her body, <laughs> what food would you eat? I heard her voice, so duh. <laughs> and it wasn't your dog, oh. thank you very much. <laughs> I thought the microphone was turned off. <laughs> it definitely was not. So whoever this lady of the night is that just came into your house, if you could eat food off of her body, what food would you eat? Hmm... Hmm, that is a good question. Not chicken parmesan because that would be too sloppy. Mm-hmm. Why isn't that an okay thing though? And that, that, that that's too sloppy. The noodles they would just get in places you don't want them to, and just <laughs> yeah, it's just too much. There's too okay. much. The cleanup is too much. The red sauce, the sheets, no. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Hmm. Oh. Okay. Okay. Fried ice cream. Fried <laughs> ice cream. Okay. Okay. Everything's fried for me tonight. I noticed yeah, that. But okay, fried fine. ice cream. All fried right. ice cream. Because fried ice cream has the nice like coating in the shell, so it's somewhat contained, right? Yeah. So I can put it down there, start eating away at it, do my business. And the sugar coating should sugar that sugar pussy. <laughs> We're back to sugar pussy. Okay. okay. Sugar pussy. Literally. So you get the literal yeah, sugar literal. pussy. Yeah. With ice cream melting down it. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind making a mess with that in my sheets. The red sauce. No, fuck that. <laughs> that. This. Oof. All right. Huh. I think mine's smoked Oof. jowl. <laughs> smoked jowl. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and all right, here's my uh, question. Where would you be eating it off of the gentleman? I just started going that way too. Because huh. like for me, like my 
my abs are rather presentable, right? It's it's a nice presentable surface. It's nice it's a something to look at, presentable right? surface, okay. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I like, guess it depends the dick, on... The dick isn't exactly, like, you know, level. Like, if you put something on it, it's going to, like, you know, roll off to the side, right? Or, I mean, but you could wrap it, like, you know, like a bacon-wrapped date well, kind of thing. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's where I was going. Yeah, like, Siri, like you could have, like, a donut or, like, you could get, like, a, a oh, pancake yeah. I or... See <laughs> I was going bacon wrapped myself, shit. and uh, if you slice jam appropriately, you can wrap anything in it. Sausage. <laughs> this insert sausage joke here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah um, a jowl, smoked jowl wrapped sausage. <laughs> I'm just thinking. Look, of listen dicks to whatever episode. You all and... know how I roll, okay? <laughs> My God. Well, my question for the end of this episode is what happens if you go into Google and type in food porn? So, I mean, I know what they're going to give you is the food. But, like, if you had explicit results available, are you going to get more porn or are you going to get more food? Well, let me do it real quick. Um, It only Well, you're going to get... You're going to get... I'm going to get what? What do you think I'm getting over here? You're going to get food. Well, I just Googled food porn. Okay. Yeah, go to images. Oh, and go to images? Yeah, let's see what there's more of. Um, Penis shaped <laughs> um, croissant rolls. <laughs> Those are amazing looking, by the way. Reddit right now? Reddit, this picture on here is unbelievable. It is like popovers, if you know what a popover is, with a tiny okay. little wiener in it. That's Jesus food porn Christ. right there. Um, oh my God. So let's see how long it takes to get to porn porn. Um, yeah, I think on this first page there's... Yeah, see, it's no going to filter all that out. Yeah. It's all food. But on my search results, if I didn't go just to images, it was yeah. the fourth one down was Pornhub. Okay. So that's not bad. Not bad. Not bad. So... The first three are food specifically, and then the fourth one is, and the fifth one. Oh, and then it just turns into porn. Yeah, yep. There you go. Nice, nice. Okay, all right, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's, I think it's fair. I think it's fair enough. So the food dominates the image front, but yeah. porn still runs the internet. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, thank you for tuning into this episode. We hope uh, it was educational. Uh, <laughs> if you can't interact with us, I'm you getting can find very Dick. educated right now. <laughs> On Twitter, at I'm Dick Francisco. You may find Dick on Instagram at the Dick Francisco. You may find me on Twitter at CTS Terry or on YouTube, Instagram, wherever podcasts are available by searching for the Catch This Guy podcast. And Dick, did you have something interesting to add? Oh no, I'm very distracted right now. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Food okay. porn right. is. <laughs> There you go. I'm glad I uh, gave you something good to end on. So until next week, folks, keep trying to catch this guy. Bye.